Thank you for tuning in to the Access Church Podcast of the Week. We hope that you are both challenged and encouraged by this message. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We've been talking about these names that the prophet Isaiah wrote 700 years before Jesus showed up on the scene of human history. Isaiah 9, verse 6, he says, For a child is born to us, a son is given. Humanity and divinity collide together. Child is born, a son is given. And the government is upon his shoulders, and his name will be called, or your translation may say, shall be called, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal or Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Today we're going to talk about Mighty God. Over the last two weeks, we talked about the words Wonderful Counselor, that in Christ you have a wonderful, beyond human comprehension. You have a wonderful advisor, not just a counselor, an advisor, someone that knows you better than you know yourself. And the unique thing about his counsel is that he never refers you. He offers himself to whatever you're facing in life. You have a wonderful counselor, but you also have a mighty God. A number of years ago on the Merv Griffin show, a guest appeared on this show. And the guest was a professional bodybuilder who entered the stage with his huge muscular frame. As he entered, the crowd went crazy and he sat down for the interview. And here was the first question that he was asked that caught him off guard. Merv Griffin said, what do you have all of those muscles for? To which he stood up and he just kind of flexed his awkward muscles and sat down. Question number two, as the crowd applauded, Let me ask you again, what do you have those muscles for? And he looked just kind of puzzled. And he stood up. What, what else do you do? He just flexes. And he sat down. He said one more time, he said, what do you have all of those muscles for? What an awkward situation to put a professional bodybuilder but he was pointing out the reality that he had power without purpose. Power without purpose. I believe that all of us need power in life outside of ourselves. And if you really think about it, we don't necessarily fully comprehend how dependent we are upon power. Parents, let me give you a disclaimer this year. That Christmas gift you're going to give your little child, make sure you've got the batteries the same day. Or else you're going to have a pretty cranky kid that you spent a lot of money on a gift, but there's no power. To think that the lights in this room to this microphone is dependent upon power to the sun that lights each and every day. But beyond all of the power things that you and I travel with, whether it's the battery that's in the back of my phone or the backup charger that I keep in my bag, the prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus showed up on the scene, he said one of the ways that he'll be identified is that he is a mighty God, that he has the power to save, he has the power to lead, the keeping power of God, that he has the power to one day when we slip from this life into eternity, that he has the power to take us, his children, to be with him in heaven. 
And God's mighty power is certainly more than power to simply flex his muscles, but there's a very intentional purpose to that power. And I want to just share about that for just a couple minutes before we dismiss, because the reality or the truth of the matter is that the power of God is available to you and it was designed to be something in which it you experience within your life and then it flows through you to meet the needs of other people, to meet the deepest needs of individuals. See, God's power has the ability to transform the human heart. It has the power to minister to a very hurting world. What is the definition of the mighty power of God? Well, the Hebrew word for mighty means this. It means a champion or a hero. The essence of that word simply means it's the person that's left standing once the conflict's over. A champion who still stands when everybody else has fallen or everybody else has failed. See, a hero or a champion is someone that gains the respect of people because of their great exploits. 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah says that God is a champion God. He's a hero. He stands like no other. The word mighty was commonly used as kind of uh, individuals would carry the power of the day, the great military power, but it's a great descriptive word of our God. It's a beautiful picture of Jesus as the champion of our lives. Now, Isaiah, as he's writing this particular verse before Jesus was born, Judah was in, the, in collapse, morally, politically, nationally. People were hopeless. They were struggling. And yet God reveals to the people in the midst of very difficult situations and circumstances, he, he gives them a picture of a preferred future by these names. He gives them like the light at the end of the tunnel that irregardless of whatever they're facing, there will come a day when a wonderful counselor shows up on the scene. There will come a day when a champion or a hero or a mighty God will be involved in the situations that they were facing. He would rescue that remnant. He would bring them from the brink of defeat. He would snatch them unto victory. See, there are many times in life that we feel like we've lost the battles of life. But regardless of whatever battle you're facing in life, God ha always has a predetermined route for you to experience victory in those particular areas. From the fiery furnace, God brought forth the Hebrew children. From the lion's den, God uplifted his servant Daniel. From Haman's gallows, God redeemed Mordecai. See, God is a God. He is a mighty God. And you see his hands working throughout history. He is not a mighty God. He is the one and only mighty God. It's like the song that we sing in church. You have no rivals. You have no equals. In the 80s, it was what a mighty God we serve. Any hashtag growing up in the 80s church. Angels have me fall. Yeah, see, you were there. You were there. You're there, okay? <laughs> After the resurrection of Jesus, even the authorities tried to stop the mighty power of the proclamation of the gospel. 
And yet every time the gospel faced persecution, it continued to move forward with great explosive growth. Nobody rivals this mighty God. In fact, if you really study what God is doing around the world, some of the greatest moves of God that are taking place are in foreign places like Pakistan, where you would never think you could be seeing thousands and thousands of people coming to Christ in open-air crusades in the midst of great persecution. See, God is a mighty God. And regardless of whatever the New Testament church, the disciples faced, they continued to march forward and continued to press on. He is mighty over his enemies. Even from the very birth of Jesus, they sought to kill him, but he escaped. To the temptation of Jesus as he was in the wilderness, he overcame the devil. When you look at the life of Jesus, whether it was dealing with the Pharisees or the individuals that were sick, every situation, every circumstance, as you look at the life of Jesus throughout the Gospels, he's revealing the mighty power of God that is operating in and operating through him, even to the death and the resurrection of Jesus, that the grave wasn't even more powerful than the might and the power of God that was exhibited in the life of Jesus. See, many people today in our culture, and our society are taking the gospel and they're, they're basically taking the gospel and they're, and they're trying to take it from a call to a transformed, from a, a call to a transformed heart and a spirit of power that enables them to live God's standards. And what they're trying to do is dilute it to kind of this self-help philosophy that allows people to live however they want to live and they call it grace. But the gospel is infused with power from God. See, religion is this, form without power. How is it that you can go to a religious service and you go in and you walk out and there's just no life, there's no vitality, there's no power associated with it? It's religion. And it's the furthest thing that I read from the heart of what Jesus came and he lived and he died. He came to... to not only to save you, but for the mighty power of God to be at work within your life, transforming the human heart. Look at what it says on the screen from the book of Colossians chapter 2. It says, for you were buried with Christ you, when you were baptized. And with him, you were raised to new life because you trusted in the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your nature that was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. This is awesome. He forgave all of our sins. He canceled the record of all of the charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. Here's what Paul says. He says, the essence of the mighty power of God is experienced when someone places their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, when they repent of their sin and they experience God's grace. What is grace? It's God's riches at Christ's expense. The most powerful moves of God are not the amazing things that we see take place around the world. They're not the dramatic physical miracles that we see with our very eyes. The greatest uh, experience of the might and the power of God is when one person chooses to repent of sin 
and to see the transformation that God does within a human heart. And if you're a Christian, I trust that you never take that power that's at work in your life for granted. That Jesus took the law and he nailed it to the cross so that those who believe in him, though they were dead, they may live forever. The greatest might of God that we see in our world today that he ever performs is that of saving a human soul, cleansing a human heart, placing his spirit within our lives and then preparing a place for us to go someday to be with him. See, there's strength in the realization of his mighty power. Second Corinthians chapter four says, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, Paul says. We are pressed on every side by troubles. Have you felt that way before? But we are not crushed. We are perplexed but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. Thank God for that. We get knocked down, but we're never destroyed. Paul says, my life is like a fragile piece of glass or a fragile jar containing this great treasure. And though at times everything may come against me, I'm not crushed. I'm not driven to despair. I'm never abandoned by God, and I'm not destroyed. You say, well, why does God choose to express his might and his power in those ways? Because I believe God delights in empowering the weak in order to confound the strong, the Bible says. Paul says, as he's labored and preached and suffered and struggled in life, He goes on in Philippians 4, he says, I can do all things through Christ, the might and the power of God. Thus, through Christ, who gives me strength? Through Christ, who gives me strength? God chooses to release his mighty power to the weak. What is the weak? To me, the weak are those that are surrendered, those that are available, those that are yielded to him. I'll tell you, the individuals that are not surrendered to the Lord, but they want to do it on their own strength. You don't see the release of the mighty power of God that's at work in their lives. But oh, what he will do to a life that is fully surrendered to him. Years ago in Pasadena, California, they were having the annual Rose Parade. It's a big deal. These companies spend a whole lot of money. They decorate their their floats, and they spend all of this money decorating with expensive roses. And years ago, there was a float that was entered into the parade, and as it's going down the beautiful streets of California, the theme that year was Be Prepared was the theme for the parade. So as all of these floats are going down, it's like a huge marketing deal, and they're all going down. This one float stalled in the middle of the parade because it ran out of gas. The float was Standard Oil Company. (laughs) Tell me that's not a marketing nightmare. And now all of a sudden in front of everybody, think of the contradiction. 
of this large oil company, and yet they don't even have enough gas to keep a float going. With access to such great resources, they couldn't keep a rinkety-dink spare thing of gas to keep the float going. Beautiful on the outside, but powerless within. Beautiful on the outside, but powerless within. My fear is that doesn't represent your life. There are a lot of people, they're wealthy, they're successful, they're put together on the outside. But deep down within, they have no power to transform their lives. They have no power to make wise decisions. And yet we have scripture upon scripture upon scripture, like Paul in Colossians chapter 1. He says, to this end, I strenuously contend with all of my energy from Christ that so powerfully works within me. Paul, over and over and over and over again, he says, the might and the power of God that's at work in his life is really remarkable. See, unfortunately, there are a lot of people, and my fear is that there are Christians that on the outside, everything looks great, but they're powerless on the inside. I want you to think about gasoline, because really it has two purposes, among many others, and I'm glad the kids are gone. But you could take a can of gasoline, right? And you can light an object, right? And have that object without giving lessons to our children. Follow me. It's an object, right? Sounds like hatch, but starts with an M. <laughs> you can light that object and dump that, and all of a sudden there's an explosive. Somebody looked at their spouse. They're like, it's a match, honey. It's a match. He's saying match. And they're like, oh, I got it. I got it. Hatch, and it starts with an M. Match. Okay. Parents, sort that out on your way home if your kids are still in here. It can cause a great explosion, can create a lot of damage in a quick period of time, right? Yet you take that same gallon of gasoline and you take that gasoline and you find somebody that's struggling on the side of the road and you pull over and you begin to fuel up their car that has run out of gas and all of a sudden that car can drive 35 miles an hour. Think of the difference between the explosive power that could cause destruction and yet the channeled power of that same resource to benefit somebody else's life. Paul says the mighty power of God that's at work within his life is now meeting the needs and touching the lives of other people. Acts chapter 2, when you see the Holy Spirit being poured out on the early church, the wording that she uses, it's like dynamite. It's like explosive power that the early church receives at their, as they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And we see the implications of them now taking the gospel from starting in their neighborhood and taking the gospel from there moving forward. It's the explosive power of a mighty God that's at work in the human heart. Everything you do to serve God is because of his mighty power that's with work within you. Every decision that you have the ability to make and to do the right thing is because of his active might and power in your life enabling you. When we have overcome death and are with him in eternity, it's because of his might and his power that's at work in our lives. He is 
the mighty God. And the greatness of a man's power, don't miss this because this is the point. The greatness of a man's power is in the measure in which he walks in surrender. Everything that you are taught in our society outside of Christ will tell you the exact opposite of that. The greatness of a man's power is in the measure of his surrender. We live in a world that values the self-made man, and I can understand the American dream and all of that stuff. But we place a premium on the self-made man or woman, the successful, the self-made, the person that's, they've done it all and they've put their life together on their own strength. And yet we live in a nation that's filled with a lot of self-made people that are successful on the outside, yet they can't keep a marriage together on the inside. They can't overcome an addiction on the inside. They can't get their kids back on track. They have power, they have wealth, they have success, and yet there's no might and power that's at work within them. What's the solution? Two choices. Number one, try harder. Just work harder. Man, if only working harder could solve the greatest needs that people really struggle with, if only working harder could fix it. We'd be good to go. Maybe it's just more knowledge, but welcome to Google. <laughs> it's not trying harder. It's not in more information. The greatest measure of a man's power is in his ability to walk in surrender. Surrender to what? 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah says, to people that are struggling, they're hurting, they're in a very difficult spot. He says, there will come a day when someone will show up on the scene of human history. He will be an incomparable, like beyond human logic will be his counsel. He is incredibly wise. He is a wonderful counselor, but he's a mighty God. Thank you for tuning in to the Access Church Podcast of the Week. We hope that you are both challenged and encouraged by this message. 